0: What's going on? It's me, Luke Legacy. This is the first episode of Life and Other Shit, and I'm glad that you are listening. This first episode is about communication. It's about language. It's about how we respond to each other. It's about debating. And I had the opportunity to sit down with my friend Arlene, who is an English teacher and is in love with language, linguistics, talking, words, everything that you can imagine about literature in English and communicating and life <laughs> she's in love with so we had a great opportunity and we capitalized on it by recording the conversation and we sat down and talked about communication and how important it is so without further ado enjoy the podcast hopefully you will take something away with it if not listen to the next podcast maybe you'll get something from that all right hope y'all enjoy it
1: well hey I am Arlene Johnson. I think it's been said three times now, but um, (laughs) I'm from a tiny little town in North Carolina. I went to school on the coast in North Carolina at UNC Wilmington. We'll go Seahawks. And I moved to Atlanta. I got a job offer as a teacher that I couldn't turn down. Amazing school, everything I thought I wanted in education. And um, since I've been in Atlanta, I've realized that there's so much more to life and living and experiences. And, you know, you've been a large part of that. And I think that, Arlene is changing and transforming, so I hate to say like, oh, here's who I am right now. Oh, I'm a teacher because I, I am a teacher, but there's so much more that I want to be and become, and communication has been a huge part of that, and understanding people has been a huge part of that, and dabbling in different cultures that might not be my comfort zone or what I'm used to has been a huge part of that. So I'm Arlene, and I'm in flux.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting that you're saying these things, and I love the way you describe yourself because we are. Evolving and growing and forever changing. If you're not, I think that's just kind of whack, to be honest with you. But throughout these things, is there a consistent thing in life that you're most passionate about? I know for me, I've been through a lot of things in life, many more things to come, but I always turn back to music, whether it be listening, writing, or making, or helping out with production of music. I always turn back to, um, That thing. So, is there something consistent in your life that you're most passionate about?
1: Absolutely. Words, words in writing, words in speaking, listening. There's um. There is a word called juice. I feel like Dr. Kamenish at UNCW introduced me to that word, and it means a belief in the perfect word. And I Hmm. think since I learned the word for what I believe, I don't know if that makes sense, but being able to say, yes, this is a thing, and someone could articulate what that is that I feel, I'd say that I guess I'm absolutely most passionate about words.
0: So, like, for me, the love of music came from my parents dancing, my brother freestyling and rapping, and my cousin was a producer. So, obviously, our parents have a lot of influence as to why we... Love things so much or (laughs) things that are consistent. Um, Is there, you know, is there any influence from um, your upbringing?
1: Absolutely. My dad, dad, I can't even, I think people think I make him up. He's this (laughs) hillbilly redneck in the woods and everything that comes to mind when you think about like redneck hillbilly is true of him, but he's also this super intellectual, well read person and I remember moments in my life where he'd say a word I didn't know and he'd say, Ugh, go look it up. And at first mm-hmm. I thought it was dismissive until I realized this power that he was giving me and looking up a word led to a n- word in the definition I didn't know. And I remember if I did anything wrong, he would give me a list of words that I had to look up and write the definition multiple times, you know, whatever, 20, 25, 100, depending on my offense. So things like insubordinate or You know, you were disgruntled or passive aggressive, all these things. And I feel like he bombarded me with this vocabulary at a very early age. And I don't know if he wanted me to pay attention to what I'm writing or just kind of mindlessly copy it. But I did pay attention. And he also gave me Calvin and Hobbes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the comic. The little boy with the blonde spiky hair and the tiger.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. So (laughs) Calvin
1: is like this six-year-old super genius, pain in the ass and um, my dad gave me those comics he had all of them huge collection of Calvin and Hobbes and I would read them and if I didn't know a word or a philosophy I'd look it up and I just feel like it was all kind of given to me in this nonchalant way without I don't think he realized what he was giving me but I always wanted to know more like I don't know what that is I need to understand I need the words to describe it it's not enough that I know it myself but that I can talk about it
0: right and it's it's funny because my story is not completely like that. Uh, I'm originally from New York. My mom used a lot of big words with me and my brother. <clears throat> I think what me and my brother did was just kind of say, okay, sure, mom, we <laughs> understand exactly what you just said.
1: Great, got it.
0: Okay, sure, mom, we'll go do this. Not completely understanding everything, but... It gave us a sense of how to use words in the correct context even though we didn't understand them so even to this day i go back and i look up words and then later on with music i fell in love with putting words together and i had to understand them better so it's interesting how you know our past you know these things stick with us to this day i remember one time me and you were having a conversation. And you said a quote that was so powerful to me, which was why you love words so much is because it's the vehicle of understanding and the fabric of humanity. Now, based off of this, we can go in a lot of different (laughs) directions. But how important do you feel it is to understand other people when we communicate?
1: I think it's so important, especially if you consider that Anytime a person is speaking, that individual wants to be understood. I think when we talk to other people, that's really apparent. But when other people talk to us, sometimes we forget. And I think that listening to understand and not listening to respond is so important. And being a teacher has taught me that. And having friends has taught me that. And literally any interaction with a person, if you just, like when you meet someone, if you just sit and listen to them, talk like that makes them feel empowered. They open up more. They're more willing to share parts of their life. And then for you to remember it, like for you to pull that quote from who knows when I said that, but for you to be able to say, I remember when you said that you were listening to me. And so that makes me feel like the things that I say have value and are important. And then that fosters more communication between people and deeper understanding.
0: Well, and listening can allow someone to respond better. Yeah. Even if the conversation is a complete disagreement and going way left or not the intent from when you started it, if you slow down a little bit and you just listen for a second, you can either stump that person or you can either understand a little bit more where they're coming from, or you could even come to a common ground. I mean, and how many
1: times have we had a disagreement a lot. Where, <laughs> where I'll say something and you'll say something and where one of us will either say, oh, 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 okay. I realize now we both agree. We're just not communicating that effectively. And I think that sometimes intent intent can get jumbled up in, in the rhetoric of it all. So what I'm trying to say isn't clearly conveyed. And maybe that's because you're not willing to understand or hear me, or maybe I'm just so in my emotion about it that I'm not communicating it effectively. But Yeah, it's funny when we mean the same thing and we both have to say, oh, oh, okay. Usually me, where I digress, like, oh, we do agree.
0: (laughs) Right, I'm usually right. You're you're right, Um, of course. I'm right all the time. (laughs) No, but on a serious note, yeah, if, if we're so busy trying to get our point across that we're saying the same thing, we're definitely not listening. And I think that we're all guilty of it. And I think that, Communication is something that is ever evolving if you are aware that you can become a better communicator. And a lot of people are just not aware of that. Being a better communicator also means becoming a better listener. Now, you work with kids. I also work with kids of various different ages. I've not worked with high schoolers, but some of the kids that I've worked with are in high school now. And it's really cool to see their growth in communication, some from kinder to fifth grade or some from fifth grade all the way to eighth grade. It's very distinct. They did not always communicate the best way or convey their message in the best way. And as educators, as child care providers, you look for opportunities to help show them do you have anything um, that might jump out in your mind right now about uh, I don't know anything that happens on a daily basis in your classroom?
1: I think we all get better, and kids especially, we get better at communicating when we realize we're misunderstood. So I think when we say something and another person gives you that tilted head, weird like squinty eye, scratch my head look, I don't get what you're saying. Like I don't understand what you mean. And you have this pattern where people don't quite get what you're saying. You understand that you have to change it up and the way you're talking matters. So I know I teach high school. I have this vocabulary that I love to, you know, at people, not because I'm trying, but it just happens that way. Sometimes it does sound
0: like shots. I feel like you're shooting shots at me sometimes and I'm like, (laughs) was
1: it Kevin Hart? who's like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm just going to assume it's an insult.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So I learned that quickly with kids, where I'm saying things they don't know what I'm saying. They don't want to look stupid in front of all their peers. They'll just nod their head, like "Sure, I agree," and they don't. And um, but, I had to change the way I talk to people.
0: But with that, it it, it brought to my mind because you know me, if I don't understand any, anything you're saying, or you're gonna ask, right? I say, Arlene, what did you? What? What word? What does that mean?
1: I might have mispronounced it. That's that southern in me. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, and sometimes I just don't know. And as I got older, I realized, hey, I should just ask the question. I don't understand what you're saying. Right. That's a form of better communication. Absolutely. And so.
1: But that takes a lot of strength. Most people don't want to admit, I don't know what you're saying, or I'm not sure what that word was. Or can you elaborate? Because I think that admits a weakness and a lot of us don't want to. And again, our conversation style tends to be combative can't believe I'm saying that you know I love to battle
0: (laughs) well sometimes when battling or arguing or in a disagreement people tend to grab these things out of their mind that are just way 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 left field and other people don't understand nor do they want the other people to understand you have to be relatable you look at something like politics I mean, you can throw words over my head, but if I, if I know nothing about, you know, the economic crisis in the world today, I need you to simplify that shit for me so that I can understand a little bit better. And I'll do you one better. Look at um, neighborhoods or where you grew up. You say you grew up in a small town. I grew up partially in Long Island, New York, where Jewish kids, Latino kids, Chinese kids, we all... Talk and sounded the same. Now, growing up in a small southern town, can you imagine us coming together and having a conversation? It'd always be like two different languages going on with the slang words, you know, the over yonders and the what up, kids.
1: Have I ever said over yonder?
0: Well, I heard it when I first <laughs> came to the south, and I was like, what, "What did you just say to me?"
1: Down the road a piece.
0: Oh yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. (laughs) I might have been thinking a reference to a gun or something like that. But can you imagine, like, the the clash of cultures that do happen Mm -hmm. when people from different backgrounds come up and they're trying to communicate with the English language that we all speak? Right. You have to know
1: your audience. I mean, obviously, and I tell my students this, when you're talking to a teacher or when you're talking to your grandma or when... I mean, I don't curse around my grandmother, but I do curse on a general basis to most people who know me. You have to know to whom you're speaking. And sure, sometimes that means breaking it down. If I'm having a conversation with you, I'm not going to go all in about political theory or something that I know doesn't have your interest, but I know that you do care about how it relates to people and how that relationship to people could have an influence on your life or on some subculture to which you're connected. So I'm going to try to anchor... The points I'm trying to make to those things that I know you're invested in, because it's going to give us a more thriving, burgeoning conversation if it's going to go somewhere. What's the point of me just talking at you?
0: It, It makes no sense. And some people don't tailor their conversations to the different people that they're talking to. You know, it's just different. And I think in life, it's important to be more relatable to be more compassionate and understanding of others naturally. So before you actually start communicating, think about that. think about who your audience is, whether it's children, your grandmother, someone from a foreign country um,
1: someone who knows you or someone who doesn't
0: right Someone from a different cultural background. I think to myself this story comes to mind I was out of, uh, I was out of the country with my best friend. We were in Dominican Republic. We were pretty young. We partied. We spent all of our money. I didn't speak a lot of Spanish. And geez, it was four, five AM in the morning. We're about to like miss our flights from partying too hard. And we get a cab. We get in the cab. To be honest with you, me and my friend Jay, we knew we didn't have any money to pay the cab driver. Uh, Did you get in the cab anyway? Yeah, I mean, we had to get to the airport. We had to get, right. So I think the cab ride ended up being $50, maybe $60. Oh, wow. And Jay, who he was the only one left with money, I think he had a 20 on him. That's all the money we had left. And he just... Went to the, the cab driver who did not speak any English. And we just looked at him. And it was the, the communication was just facial expression. Pure facial expression. And the guy just looked at us, opened his arms and said, it's okay. It's okay. That's all the English he knew. Right. And he gave us hugs. Oh. And we were sweating bullets because we thought we were about to miss our flight back to America. But, you know, sometimes communication is not always uh, verbal. Exactly. Sometimes it's a facial expression. I or know... a
1: vibe. You're so good at reading vibes. And sometimes it's not, it's not what you say at all. It's the energy or
0: mm, your demeanor.
1: Yeah.
0: It's very important. You know, for me, and I have nieces, and um, one of my nieces, the middle one, has a hard time with facial expressions. Meaning, me and even my brother, Our face will get twisted up and screwed.
1: You do have a nice furrow where you're like...
0: Yeah, but sometimes (laughs) people take it as a bad way. Like, oh, are they upset? Did they dislike this song? Are they feeling this or no? And half the times, our evil chagrins on our face are... Like, you know, we like what's going on. We're just feeling it in a different way and we express it in a different way. So sometimes communicating with our facial expressions is, you know, not worked out the best for us because we're like, oh, we're happy. We're fine. You know, nothing is. But that does matter
1: whether that furrowed brow is met with crossed arms True. Or whether it's with, like, I've seen you do it in the club when you're like, like, you like this song, and you've got this look of concentration in your eye. Like, it'll, mm. Right. does that little. But you're vibing. And I think anyone around you can tell that, sure, that might be your facial expression, but you're still, your body is moving to the beat.
0: Right. Right. sometimes it's met with body movement, um, how we sit in our seats, what we're doing, how we're walking. So...
1: I think I'm awkward at, for me to be so, at least I think I'm such an elite linguist, you know, but for <laughs> me to write so well and speak so well, my body language is weird sometimes. I don't know if you notice that, but like my posture is a little too erect or maybe I'm standoffish in a way. And there are moments where I wonder how is my, and I do think about it, how is my body language meeting my audience? How is the way I'm standing or the energy I'm giving off meeting the people I'm around?
0: Which this raises a really good question. How do we react to how people receive, how we communicate, and what we are trying to convey? So do we react by nature? If I'm trying to convey something to you by, through communicating with the English language, how do we react if the reaction is not what we want it to be?
1: As a teacher, I apologize. And I think with you, too, sometimes I have to say, oh, well, wait a minute. Let me redefine what I mean when I say, trashy. Let me redefine <laughs> right. what I mean when I say, you know. so depending, I might have to say, wait, 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 I realize we got lost in this and you're, you're not picking up what I'm laying down. You're thinking something else and I need to redefine my terms. But sometimes I think people get defensive. So what do you mean you don't understand? And it adds a complexity to the argument that might not need to be there if
0: you just- Well, it can turn into an argument and it's like, well, well, what do you mean? We, so you can't understand what I'm saying? Right. You know, and then that pride kind of kicks in with people pride instead of just literally. saying, oh, maybe you just misunderstood. I'm really trying to say this. Sometimes over explaining through communication is better. Yeah. Sometimes it's just necessary in order to get through the conversation. And, you know.
1: Or to wh- reframe. Exactly. It doesn't have to be repeating the same thing over and over. I hate that when I'll say, wait, what did you say? And they'll repeat it. Or my dad would even do this. Let me say it slower. Oh, great. Repeating the same thing in multiple tones of voice is going to make me understand it so much better.
0: Right. And it's like a demeaning tone.
1: Right. Change it up. Give it to me in a different way.
0: But add a level of genuineness behind it so that people... Think and feel that you're genuine about what you're saying because you should be. Right. Now, we communicate with people all the time. The grocery store, ordering at a restaurant, ordering at a bar, new friends. So, who is our audience and what is our purpose with these different audiences? I think one good scenario is this. And I'll give another little story. I went to an art show with one of my friends a few months ago and her reaction to a lot of the art was kind of off-putting I'm not sure what she was trying to convey or what she was trying to actually, her point that she was getting across mainly she was just saying that the art was way too expensive not only was she saying that to me, someone who appreciates art genuinely, but saying it around the artist, saying it around other people that were purchasing the art. So it was kind of off-putting, and she was not apologetic about it at all. Not that she should have been, she was being honest. That was the way she was communicating. But is it important to know our audience? Is it important to feel that we are being perceived a certain way through communication? And what is your actual purpose, I guess? For example, in saying, oh, this art looks like trash. I would never pay $500 for it. And I'm thinking like, man, it's kind of dope. So does that make me not want to be around my friend anymore? Or at least in these situations? I mean, you tell, tell me how you feel.
1: I really I like that example because it adds layers to audience and purpose. Obviously, she's saying that to you, her friend who knows her, and isn't going to judge her for being... Maybe snotty. I think we all go to art shows and feel really pretentious to be able to judge, oh, the tone here, or the mood, or this is an overpriced piece. So maybe that was her point, which is trying to connect with you and have an opinion about it and not just like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. But I think audience is sometimes lost, and we have a purpose. We have a point we want to make, and we don't think about the audience. And both are so very important, but finding a balance between here's what I want to say and who here's who I'm talking to. And as a teacher, I have to always tell my kids, who's your audience? Think about your audience. As a writer, if I'm writing something, I struggle with that. Well, to whom who am I writing this to? Who's going to read this? And what are they going to take away from it? And I mean, I'm sure as you write music, you think about that to some extent. There's an element of self-expression, or you really like this beat, or there's the, these cool lyrics that just bubble up inside of you. But you also want to make sure that it matches your consumer, like whoever's going to be buying this or listening to this
0: absolutely let's talk about that for a second i mean you are into literature and you read a lot of books i'm into music i am a fan of lyrics how they come across i write music i write lyrics i am very conscious about how they come across because i'm telling a story and a lot of times the story has a ton of layers and i just hope that you get one of the layers a little bit of it a little bit of a you know, my thought process or what actually happened to me when um, telling this story. And it's in it for me, it's important. Um, some for someone who reads books a lot. How do you feel about a writer and now books, you know, a song is three minutes, 50 seconds, four minutes. Um, so we're we're packing a lot of stuff into a small thing. You know, you might read a book that's 500 pages. That's a lot of information to take in. I mean,
1: a song is a poem. And um, my dad once said, a poem is never finished, simply abandoned. And I think the Mm. same thing goes as a reader of poetry or a consumer of music. That every time you listen to a song or you read those words over, it can have different meaning. And a lot of that depends on the mood you're in. And we deal with this when we talk to people. Hey, what's up, blah blah blah. Mm, I just woke up. Like I'm not in the mood to have this conversation right now. Right. Or like um I have a really long day. I can't focus. And I think sometimes it takes it takes all of that to kind of get to the core of understanding. And the best conversations we've had have been when we're both in the right mood to talk it out or we both are interested in the topic at hand. But we can also revisit similar conversations over and over, just like you'd revisit a song or a poem or your favorite book, and that meaning gets deeper, or um, the, the, what you take away from it is more powerful or different than it was the first or second or third time.
0: Yeah, I can definitely agree with you on that. And people struggle sometimes with conversation starters, so much so that they have books about starting conversations. Matter of fact, I got a gift one time, um... When I moved into my old apartment, it was a pack. It was called conversation starters, starters. And you would pick a card out and would just ask a question. And it's just interesting that, you know, sometimes we do need conversation starters. Also in conversation, sometimes.
1: We need conversation enders.
0: Uh, yes, some people are very very awkward at ending conversations, yes, God. you know let's kind of switch gears Let's talk about that for a second. I had a, a coworker, and we had to deal with a lot of phone activity and Every time I called her and she was the sweetest woman She ended the conversation so awkward every single time it was usually with a um, Okay, well, um uh, uh, Okay, bye and then she would hang up before I could respond or say bye. What do you think that comes from? Do you think that comes from, like, parenting and parents communicating with their children in a specific way that doesn't make them comfortable?
1: I don't know. I like to blame parents for things because I hate when parents blame teachers. It's a culmination. And some people are just awkward, and that's okay. But I hate when, I hate when people linger in person and it's like they need to repeat the past two or three points we just made because they're not sure how to end it. And my time is wasted, if that makes sense. Or like, yeah. I just, I want to say, do you not understand? I'm trying to go, look at my body language right now. My feet are pointing away from me. Like, can we not end this? This is weird. What are we doing? You're too close to me. Why are you saying this thing again? You already made your point. We resolve this issue. And I just, I don't, I don't know where it comes from. Right. And maybe it's my fault yeah. for not telling them it's weird. Should we tell people?
0: Well, those are one of those, (laughs) like I guess, uh, catch-22 situations when it comes to conversation. You just don't know. Should I tell you no? Should I end it on this note or that note? Or should you just be reading my body language, which they could be bad at, and just end the whole entire thing? So I could definitely feel where you're coming from with that. But with that being said, let's go into this. Something I do towards the end of all my podcasts, mainly, sometimes it could be on the topic, sometimes it's not on the topic, and I think it's pretty easy to come up with these on this topic. Whack shit versus cool shit or dope shit. Whack shit versus dope shit. The whack shit is what I can't stand that you're doing in the conversation or <laughs> in life. This is whack. I'm over it. It's completely our own opinions about stuff. So, what's something whack? Excuse me. What is something whack? The whack shit. And what is something you feel like is dope in life?
1: Oh, I am going to make this about communication. Okay. So, I want to start with the cool shit before I go to the whack shit. I love alliteration. And I remember when in college I would write papers and I would force myself to include alliteration in all of them. And I love when people say something to me and they're using alliteration. And I wonder if they've done it on purpose or if it just happened that way. But I absolutely love it. Um,
0: Hold on. Just a little background. Can you just explain alliteration? Yeah, alliteration
1: is the repetition of a consonant sound at the start of a word. It's like Mm -hmm. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Mm -hmm. So I like when people string along things that, you know, whatever, like, um, the scent of you in my sheets is saccharine to the soul. Like just something, I, I don't know. I think it's so poetic. I think it's so beautiful. And to just, you know, dabble it in or pepper it into everyday conversation is really cool.
0: It is. It is inter- uh, entertaining. Very entertaining.
1: Whack shit. Um, I just said, um, I hate verbal pauses. I really hate like, and I teach young people and even some of my friends use it all the time. And it drives me bananas. So just the like and, you know, she was like and he was like. And we've forgotten all these other really wonderful synonyms that add depth and meaning to conversation. So I hate the ums and the likes and any other verbal, essentially, or I don't know, anything repeated too often in conversation. I'm counting it. I find myself counting it and not listening to what a
0: person says. Well... I guess now you will be counting how many times I've said uh, like, or, for example, no. um, in this podcast. I just did it again. At
1: least you diversify your verbal pauses, and they're not back-to-back-to-back to back to back the same shit. That's I am I
0: definitely hate. working on diverse, uh, diversifying my, uh, my uh, you word don't say, whiskers. I haven't
1: noticed your ums.
0: Once you start listening back, you start to notice them a lot. But it's all good. <laughs> no one's perfect. I'm not tripping off it. Whack shit to me with communication is... Ooh, I got like two things. Okay. You're out at a bar, you're out at a restaurant, you're at a party, you're with a friend who knows everyone, and they don't communicate. They do not communicate who you are to the other person. Oh, yes.
1: You're good at that. You're so good at introductions.
0: Because I hate when people don't do that to me. I, I think forget it's people's horrible. Names. Um, that's one thing. What is another thing that's whack? Oh. My second thing that's whack, I can't stand when you cut me off. Even after you've asked me a question, I'm trying to make my point. Sometimes people just cut you right off and I'm like, hey, can, are you interested in saying what I'm saying? Or you just piggyback what I just said and like finish my story. So that's kind of annoying. Cool shit is including people in a conversation, whether the person is. Someone you feel like could be a part of the conversation or should be the part of the conversation. If there's a moment where you can be inclusive with conversation and help you get to... It can help you get to know other people or different perspectives, I think that that's really cool shit. So, those are just two things for me. Well, three things with whack shit and cool shit and a few things from you, Miss Johnson. Miss <laughs> Johnson. Right now, our alarm just went off, so... That is the time. I appreciate you coming through. Thanks
1: for having me. And having
0: this conversation with me. Hopefully, we'll have more conversations on uh, the podcast, Life and Other Shit. And I I just want to thank you. Any closing words that you would like to say to the audience before we...
1: Just keep fucking with this podcast. It's so awesome. I feel like you constantly do the coolest things. And I'm envious of your life.
0: Well, thank you. I just try to do cool shit. um, (laughs) At least in my mind. It's right.
1: actuality.
0: Well, I'm just going to pour some more wine. And then um, until the next time, y'all, keep it 100. That ends another episode of Life and Other Shit. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Keep letting people know. Follow me on social media at Luke Legacy on Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, all of that good stuff, or you can just hit me on email, lifeandothershit00 at gmail.com. Until the next time, can't wait for it. Life and Other Shit Podcast, coming at you again, another one. I don't know when, next week. Maybe I'll drop two this week. I don't know, but be on the lookout for it. One love.